Welcome to episode 10 of Getting Hard, Double Digits. I'm joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, DJ. DJ, how are you doing today? Great, Dan. Episode 10, that's massive. I know. We've made it so far. That's so many hours of watching stuff. <laughs> that's, yeah, no, we're up to what? 60-something uh, hours. That's a lot of hours. Yeah, 70 hours. So it'd be like 72 hours or something. Like that. That's it. I'm dreaming about that Hard Knocks thing. <laughs> It's a theme song to everything I do. <laughs> exactly right. You try harder. You're worried you're going to get cut. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a little housekeeping. Thank you for joining us as always, obviously. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at The Vault Studio, uh, Twitter, The Vault, stu- the vault underscore studio. Um, if you'd like to support what we're doing, help us out. Um, you can support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash The Vault Studio. Anything you want to plug, DJ? I just want to give another plug to our man, um, John Elliott, Mr. Yep. Horsey, um, from We Are Four Designs. Yes. So, he obviously, he did our banner, and he's done all the Vault Studio logo and emblems. So, if anyone wants to reach out to um, Mr. Elliott to do any of your graphic designing or logo work, yeah. then We Are Four. Yep, We Are Find Four on, on Facebook. Facebook. Um, he's done great work, and um, we've plugged him. We've put out his Facebook on there. So, if you can't find it, then just scroll down a bit. It's on our page somewhere. I think that's it for housekeeping. Might as well just jump right into it. So, the 2009 Cincinnati Bengals. As the theme was playing, I was thinking to myself, I haven't even said what we're doing yet, but <laughs> that's a good place to introduce it. Like, yes. The 2009 Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. So, we come into the 2009 preseason. Now, let's have a quick recap of the 2008 Bengals. Yes. They went four wins, 11 losses, and one draw, and did not qualify for the playoffs. No, you don't make the playoffs with that, that record. No, not <laughs> not ideal. No. Um, which basically, though, it's like a, a good thing. It put them up the list in the draft order. Yes. Yeah. So the the Bengals were able to draft with the number six overall pick, Andre Smith, who yep. was an offensive tackle from Alabama. They picked in the second round at pick number 38, Ray Maluga, and he was a linebacker out of USC, so my Trojans. Uh, and with their third round pick at number 70, they picked Michael Johnson, who was a defensive end out of Georgia Tech, uh, one of the, the one of the higher fluted picks at number ninety eight was Chase Kaufman, who was a tight end out of Missouri, uh, and obviously they, they they hired like sorry they traded, drafted a lot of blokes after this. So I'll run through their names: so Jonathan Lukes, uh, Kevin Huber, Morgan Trent, Bernard Scott, Fui Vakabuna, Clinton McDonald, and Freddie Brown. Yep, they had a lot of draft picks that year. They had a lot of draft picks. And that yep. tends to happen to teams that obviously have finished rather low over the past few years. Yep. They tend to build up those draft picks and then you really start um, stacking up the back order. Yep. Um, yeah, so look, you'll, you'll, you'll hear from a lot of these players as we recap all the episodes. Yep. So I guess the head coach this year, the 2009 Bengals, was uh, Marvin Lewis. So yep. Marvin Lewis had been the head coach of the Bengals since 2003. And funny enough, he actually still is to this present day in 2018. So, he Marvin Lewis is heading into his what's it his sixth NFL season. His offensive coordinator is Bob Bratkowski. Um, his 
defensive coordinator is Mike Zimmer, your mate. My mate, head coach of the Vikings. Head coach of the Vikings currently in 2018. Then there's the assistant offensive coach, so assistant's overall coach and O-line coach, Paul Alexander. Yep. Now, I, I, it's weird to name a coach that isn't a head coach when we're talking about people, but he has a significant uh, contribution to most discussions around most of the players. Yep. So worthwhile mentioning him because I'm going to mention him a fair bit. And look, and the president and owner of the club is Mike Brown. And you hear a fair bit from Mike Brown. Oh, yeah. You, you hear a lot from him. Yep. Yeah. So and we'll guess we'll just jump straight into the recap with episode one. Yep. We'll jump right in. Episode one starts with something that we haven't seen yet. I thought it was good. So they had a black versus gray team building exercise. So basically, they wanted to build up the team after going 4 and 11 that's what they kept saying you know we went 4 and 11 last year and they did a bunch of just a bunch of competitions they obviously split the team and they didn't say how they split the team but half the team was black and half the team was gray um and they competed in things like the bench press three-point shooting punt catching qb toss sled push relay tire flipping uh sprinting and a tug of war um it looked really fun and it looked like a convoluted combine it did look really fun. It, it looked, looked awesome. It looked really cool because they had a, like, you know, the QB toss wasn't the QBs doing it. It was, you know, no. wide receivers and all yeah. sorts of stuff. And, and, and offensive linemen. <laughs> yep. And then three-point shooting. They showed the defensive linemen shooting threes and stuff like that. It was good. I enjoyed it. They, I thought they, it was... The big boys struggled to yep. throw up threes. Oh, Carson yeah. Palmer went and just dropped like three or four. He did. He did. So after that, we then go to Marvin Lewis's house and every year... Before the season starts, he holds a party at his house for basically it looked like the whole organization side. So all the coaches and stuff, but also a lot of the admin side because there was a fair few people there. And he just says it's one of those things he always does before the season starts because he knows how hard everyone's going to be working. Yeah, he said it's, it's the, he's, he's tailgating because yep. they're not allowed to tailgate. Exactly. <laughs> so up first with the introductions, we meet Andrew and Melissa Whitworth. Andrew is the offensive tackle. Uh, he is shown... Funnily enough, the whole time that he's shown in this season, he's only ever shown with his wife. There's very few, like, you, you don't see him very one-on-one in pads and stuff. But basically, the way they're introduced is uh, he's eating salads because he's saying to his wife, you know, I'm nervous about making weight, and he's worried about it. And she's kind of saying, I can't wait till you leave so that I can eat normal food again. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they're they're packing up for camp. They're showing packing up for camp. And the only reason I wanted to mention that, because that's a pretty boring thing, is that um, they packed up this... I wore the same cleats that he did. Yeah. Really? The, the green Nike ones? Yeah. The, the, I wore them black and white, but the same model. I thought that was interesting uh, that I wore the same model as an offensive <laughs> tackle as a linebacker. But anyway, well, I thought they were good. They worked for me. Oh, the mid, mid ankles? Yeah. 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 Um, that was the only reason I wanted to mention that. Uh, <laughs> then next up, we meet Chris Presley. He's a fullback. Um, he finished his college degree and had job offers, but he thought, hey, I could maybe make it as a, as a football player. He wasn't drafted, um, so he thought, I'm going to give it a shot. I've got something to fall back on. Might as well do it. So he had a GPA of 3.8 in high school and 4.0 in college. Yes. Now, I don't know anything about that, but I hear that's okay. The 4.0 is like perfect. Okay, cool. That's and, a smart dude. Yes, and uh, he had a kid while he was in high school. And he still had a 3.8 GPA. Maintained GPA. a 3.8 in high school and then maintained a 4.0 at, um, I think it was Ohio State, if I'm remembering correctly, but maybe wrong, someone will let me know. Um, yeah, so instantly I liked him. Instantly I thought, smart yes. Smart dude. Smart dude, no, no, fighter. And playing at fullback where they have the most head trauma out of anyone. Yep, yep. 
And he's a big dude. He's, he's a big dude. He's he just brought he he hits like a hammer. Yeah, brick brick shit house right there. Um, th- up next we we see they introduce us to where they're having their training camp. So their training camp is at Georgetown College in Georgetown, Kentucky. So that's about an hour's drive away from Cincinnati. I looked it up on the map. Um, as the players are checking in, they discover that in order to have a TV in their room, they have to rent them. All right. So a 26-inch TV is $93. A 32-inch <laughs> TV is 122 And a 42-inch is 183 <laughs> Did you see the bloke giving the most shit about it? No, Roy it was, Williams. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yep, that's like, right. Come on, mate. You can afford, you can afford 100 bucks <laughs> yeah. to rent out a TV. Put your head in. And then there, and, and if you need internet, there's Ethernet cords behind you. And he's like, "Do we have to rent those?" I'm like, "No, those are provided." Good. <laughs> yeah, come on, mate. Come on, really. After everyone's all checked in, we Mike Brown, the uh, president and owner, he gives a speech to the team, and he he doesn't have good things to say about 2008, obviously. And basically, he says we're we're gonna we're gonna change that. This year is gonna be different, and we're not gonna take that anymore. And so then we. Find out that Marvin Lewis, as most of these coaches each year, seem to have like a motto for the year. Mm. Their motto this year is fight back. So Marvin had it put on all the T-shirts and then all the jumpers and that sort of stuff for this year. And basically, he explains that, that it means coming together and fighting their way to the top of the division. Yeah, I, think, I actually thought that the idea of having actually themed yearly shirts was pretty cool. And the actual design was pretty cool, like a cat scratch or yep. something. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was good. I thought it was a I good idea, I imagine a too. Bengal tiger scratch, I'd I, say. I would yeah. say it probably was, yeah. Not a cat, that's per se. <laughs> 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 and then, basically, they go, all right, here you go. Training camp's very hard, so here's a montage of a bunch of players fighting one another. <laughs> it's the second day of training camp, and they do like a three-minute montage of just players fighting each other. Yeah. I'm like, all right, that's fair enough trying to get the fire in the belly or something yep and they're kind of explaining that the reason why they're all fighting is because they're mad about last season and then tank johnson is sitting next to i think it was a water boy a little kid and he goes um everyone's mad about last season and he goes i wasn't even here and i'm mad about four and eleven <laughs> and the kid did you notice the kid just stood there like Stared at him? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he was nervous or oh, he just he's didn't more like, care. Well, he was more like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> he just stood there. Yeah. And the tank, like, walked away after a little bit. It was like it was an awkward, 30 seconds awkward yeah, pause. Yeah, it was a very awkward, um, awkward pan too. Yep. <laughs> like, just move away. <laughs> Next. So, day three, they decide they're going to play the Oklahoma drill. Now, if you aren't oh. familiar with the Oklahoma drill, you can, judging by the uh, DJ's Exhale there. This is a tough one. This I remember this. This is not fun. So basically... This is my favorite drill of all time. The way it plays is defensive end versus one O line versus a running back. And the running back is attempting to get past the defensive end. But it doesn't have to be a defensive end, like a linebacker or whatever. Yeah, it's an offensive player versus a defensive yep. player with an offensive player that's running the ball behind. Yeah, and you've got... You've got a little you, tiny lane. It's about lanes, a meter and a half lane. Yeah. And so it's basically mano y mano, as we hear... Um, um, Andrew Whitworth mentioned to his wife, it's mano y mano when we yeah. do this Oklahoma drill. She's like, I've no idea what you're talking about. Just leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, but literally, it's what guys get to hit heads yep. and you get to assert a bit of dominance one way or the other. Yep. If the defensive player makes a tackle, then the whole defense go nuts. If the offensive player gets through and makes a good block, then the offense go nuts. So it's a way to get some, some healthy competition. Yep. So they show that, um, them playing that. And then 
up next we meet Chase Kaufman, who was taken in the third round, was it? I think you said before. And basically, he's kind of shown as he he he's introduced as his uh, father was a professional player, and um, he's just trying to make it in the team, and he knows that he needs to play better than in college. Like he understands the NFL is different to college. And then we hear someone, we're not sure who yelled it at him, but someone yells something very strange at him. Running through there with your damn straight up and down like a damn hard on. <laughs> so I'm not really sure. It didn't make much sense because he jumped up to get a, was it a 10 yard hitch or something like that? He's a tall dude. He jumped up to get the ball, came down, and he just happened to drop it as he landed. Yep. So oh, we don't even know whether it was directed towards him. No, they were showing the montage of Chase Kaufman as it was being yelled. And he someone said to him, like, just seconds before, Chase, and then that said, but I didn't think it was relevant to him. If I was Chase Kaufman, I would have no idea what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> You're running a straight up and down like a hard on. It's how pretty straightforward. How can you not get that? <laughs> yeah, how can you not understand what that means? Thanks, coach. <laughs> So they kind of go through that Chase is, he is struggling with the change. Um, and one of the things that they do, and as we've seen in the previous seasons, is the push-ups. Fake push-ups. Fake push Yeah. Yeah. These, these are not proper push-ups. He's doing, but he's shown doing push-ups after push-ups after push-ups because he's constantly screwing up. Um, Reggie Kelly, the tight end who has been with Cincinnati at this point since 2003 and had been in the league since 99. So Reggie's very got a lot of experience reggie is taking him aside during practice and also after practice to give him extra attention because at the end of the day reggie says like he knows that he's on the the end of his career sort of the the, the far end of his career and and he's not, it's like other guys that we've seen in the previous seasons they recognize when they're a veteran you might as well help the rookie because you know, you're going to be gone anyway. Like, yeah. they spent one of their higher draft picks to pick up a replacement for you. Yeah, exactly. So, enjoy your last year or two. Yep. And just embrace it, really. And also, like, 11 years in the league from any position is a long time. Oh, yeah. If you're not a Hall of Famer candidate, that's a long, long time. Yep. So, he probably sees a twilight of his career dwindling. Yep. And then they instantly show us Reggie Kelly getting injured on day four. So, he ruptures his Achilles. Worst injury. Yeah, that's not a good one. Um, and he's told he'll need surgery and it's six months recovery time and he breaks down. And oh, as you would. That's the end. Yeah, like You would think he only had, well, we'll get into it, but he didn't have much longer after this. So, you know. It's sad. It's very sad. And Chase has basically sat down and told, you're getting more reps and you need to step up. This is why we drafted you. Not because we knew he'd get injured, but just in case. And guess what? This happened. You need to step up. And Chase is kind of like, all right, I'll step up. Will he? We'll find out as we go through Maybe. the recap. Yeah. Up next, we meet Jeremy Johnson, the fullback. He had a season-ending knee injury in 2008, and he's struggling with weight issues. They Don't want we him, know it. They want him at between 260 and 265. He shows up to training camp at 276. I can understand. You just come off a knee injury. It's a bit hard to rehab and stuff like that and get all the things in, but at the same time, you know, these are professional athletes that make a lot of money. He sh- should have hired someone to help him with eating. That's where the problem comes in. It's not necessarily the, the getting in, but anyway. I think it must have been a miss right on the board because his last weigh-in from last year said he was 204 pounds. Yep. 
which is 92 kilos. Yeah. And this weigh-in said he was 273 pounds. Yep. Which is 126 kilos. Yep. Like that's a that's a big change. <laughs> that's a little bit of a big change. That's yeah. a big change. And he looked he didn't look fit. He looked like he struggled. No. He's, you know. And he actually said he goes, look, it's not it's not my knee. My knee's fine. My body is just it's not, not conditioned. conditioned. Yeah. So they show him getting reps on the side. He's not doing the proper reps. He's just doing lots of conditioning work on the side with a strength and conditioning coach. Um, up next, we meet a bit more about Chris Presley. So actually, all the stuff we just said was now. It doesn't matter. So basically, <laughs> he grew up to a single mother in New Jersey. He grew up real poor. Um, and he had a child during high school, as we said, and he still graduated 3.8 GPA. And then he graduated from Wisconsin with a 4.0 GPA. Like we said, I wish I understood that better, but that sounds really good. Yeah. Well, now you know. That's perfect. I mean, you can go over 4.0 if you do all sorts. It doesn't matter. 4.0 is perfect. All right. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. had a 4.0 GPA in She's All That. So that's that's the only (laughs) reference I can give. There you go. And then just to put more on to Chase, Ben Utek, the tight end, is injured and taken off the field in an ambulance. Uh, he suffers a concussion, and fifth this concussion. is the fifth of his career. He's he, they're saying that he's knocked out cold, like he's full unconscious, and so that's kind of kind of a bummer, and you know. And then we we are introduced to our first holdout, and our only holdout. They only had one holdout this year, and that's first round pick Andre Smith. He's Cha-ching. holding out. <laughs> he wants more money. Um, he already caused. Some questions at the start of his career. He hasn't even started yet, and he's already caused questions. So he switched agents already. He switched managers. He underperformed at Alabama's pro day, and he left the combine early. And this dude still got drafted six, and has the gall to hold out for more money. Yeah, mate, it's just you don't do that. That's like if you, I don't know. That's just a bit silly. But look, he got signed in the end. Yep. Or, he did, get or did he? I don't know. <laughs> so they, You'll they, sign another six-year-old pick, I'd imagine. <laughs> they they go down to Alabama, and they show him he's there working out with a trainer there, and he's trying to get his weight down and making sure he's as ready as possible to join the team. Obviously, he doesn't have access to a playbook and stuff like that, but he's at least attempting to get his weight in order to be down to get there. But they're not waiting around for him. They don't care. So they bring in an offensive tackle, an undrafted uh, rookie Gus Parrish. So he was a tackle at Kent State, didn't get drafted, obviously, and they call him up and say, hey, let's give you a shot. Here's the situation. They explain it to him when he gets here. Like, you're here to replace Andre. You're not a first-round draft pick, but, hey, show us something you got. Like you, Yeah, you guys, they hold, what, 10 linemen? Yep-ish? They had uh, 11 at this point, yeah. Oh, yeah, so that they hold a fair few linemen. So if you are decent and you can show that you're versatile, you can play special teams as well, then you'll be on the team. Yep. It's one of the better positions to actually try for. Yep. Uh, Gus uh, bears more than a striking resemblance to Randy Jackson (laughs) from American Idol, and the players let him know it. That's for sure. They constantly call him that. Uh, He's like, man, ever since I got these glasses, everyone will be saying that about me. (laughs) He does look so much like him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Up next, we've got Ocho Senko. We were waiting for him. We made it almost through the whole episode, and we finally meet him. Um, he wants to make up for his uh, not his great season the year before. He's 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 hungry. He's not just upset about going four and eleven, but he also personally didn't have a great season. He's 
in shape. He's at weight. They show him several times doing, he was doing not just at training camp, but then he was going doing like this boxing sessions as well. Like dude is a machine. He's fit. Yeah. He's and they, and they said fit. that he's a very hard worker. Yes. Although he, infuriating. Yes. He introduces us to his catchphrase, one of several throughout. <laughs> Child please is a nice way of telling someone, you know, fuck you. Thank, thanks, Chad. Yep. So anytime he says, child, please, you know, that that's him telling you fuck you and he doesn't want to say fuck you for some reason. Yeah. But he says it at random times, like yeah. about stupid things. Yeah. Uh, so o- Ocho Senko at this point, I I actually vaguely remember this being a thing, um, but he had a show on Ustream, which is like, like Twitch nowadays. Um and you know he would just go on there and just hang out with people and like there'd be a ch- it's exactly like what ch- Twitch is now just earlier and yeah, yeah he had a show and and all the players you know do you watch it I watch it you know when are you gonna come on my show he's walking around and stuff like that and yeah so he's a character he is a character he's interesting and then up next we go back to Jeremy Johnson and he's still. Attempting to lose some weight and get in shape. Now, here's the fun fact, all right? He comes in at 276. They weigh him. He's 279. <laughs> he's coming to camp. He's training multiple times a day. They don't say what day this is. <laughs> but at least at least a couple of days later, he's put on three pounds at camp. Dan, muscle weighs more than fat. Oh, uh, yes, of course. You, you gain three pounds of muscle. That's that quickly, it. I yes. do that all the time. Do you? <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't looked at the food at this camp yet. Yep. It might just be like heaps and heaps and heaps of bad food. It's true. If it's anything like the food at the Cowboys camp. Oh, like, yeah. Like, crazy. Yeah, no wonder he put on Maybe it's just water weight. Could be. You never know. Could be. Chase is attempting the best he can to step up. They have their inner squad scrimmage, and Gus really struggles. Really struggles. He's getting beat by everyone. But that's part of the reason, you know, he's missed a little bit. But also, he didn't get drafted. So, you know, like, he's got a lot to learn. Yep. And then they end the episode with, on day 11 at 5.30 in the morning, the fullback, J.D. Runnels, is cut. They wake him up. And the cameras are kind of there, and he notices the cameras are there, and he's like, "I don't, don't put me on camera right now." And so they, he closes the um, the Turk, closes the door, and that's the end of the episode. And I just thought that because that was rough, just cutting this guy. But they yeah, middle else middle of the night, yeah, five thirty a.m. Imagine getting fired from your job on camera at five thirty in the morning. You just woken up. That I don't know what suck. time they have to get up there, but I imagine it's six or seven at most. Like, well, at dawn, the, the, the Marvin Jones was honking the horn, yep. the big air horn. Yep. So that's yeah. episode one. Uh, episode two, we are introduced to Carson Palmer. Um, they kind of go out uh, into a little bit of depth about what Carson, Carson Palmer is, um, how he's done as a QB, I should say. So... In 2005, the offense was one of the best that the Bengals have ever had. Um, it's 2009. <laughs> yeah. Like the good, good. You had a good offense in 2005. In four years ago, yeah. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Good job, Carson. So he's coming off an elbow injury, so that's something that'll come up. Um, and then we, we introduced to uh, Kyle Cook, the center. We're introduced in an interesting way. Even the best coaching staff can't protect Palmer from all of camp's pitfalls. Hey, dude. I smelled the top of my hand two days ago. Now you're lying. And I thought I'd stuck it in the toilet. Now you're lying. 
I'm dead serious. Dude, I watched just everything. Just make sure, just make sure you're unless I, unless I taking care of yourself. <laughs> that's uh, that, I'm pretty sure that's the only time we actually see Kyle Cook, like other than in the background. But um, we're so, introduced to him having a very smelly taint. So for those that don't know as well, the quarterback's hands are very close to the center's um, bum hole and taint. Yes. And sometimes, obviously, a lot of sweat builds up. If you don't wipe properly, don't wash properly, Carson was just letting him know, look, look after yourself, buddy, because the top of my hand stunk like shit. It's peak summertime. They're getting very sweaty out there. This isn't as hot as Oxnard, but it's not cool in Kentucky. Yeah. It's a bit rough. Like, <laughs> really, it's a bit rough. Like, lucky that all the quarterbacks had had their hands down my taint when I was a center. <laughs> not many of them said very much. They thought it, mate. They thought it. <laughs> Reach out to me if you thought so, QBs. <laughs> I know all of you. <laughs> uh, and then Carson explains to us that Lamar, one of the assistant trainers, he is the best at making the Gatorade. So what he does is he mixes three to four different flavors of Gatorade. He mixes tropical. He mixes like a fruit punch and red something another. And this pleases Carson. He likes it. He likes it so much that he has to talk about it on the show. He likes it. I'm getting the impression at this point, that Carson Palmer's a princess. <laughs> Could be. Could be. <laughs> he's got a special... His, he, he calls himself a connoisseur of the Gatorade, and he's shown like several times like telling the water boys, like squirting in his mouth. He goes, no, nah, that's too watered down, and then just walks away and stuff like that. You're like, okay, Jeez. fair enough. I guess you know. you're the starting quarterback in an NFL team. I guess it does give you the right to be a little bit eccentric, I yep. call it. Um, so maybe that's it. That's his little thing. Yep. Up next, we meet Chris Henry, the wide receiver. Um, he's here to redeem himself, if you will. So in 2008, he had legal issues, and he was released by the Bengals in April 2008. And basically, they disowned him and said, we're never taking you back. So he's picked up by the Bengals on August 4th, 2008. So they made it A four-month-long memory. Four months, yeah. Anyway, they have another scrimmage. And they're, the team is then given the night off. And Coach Lewis tells them no drinking and driving and to make good decisions. Sounds like my mom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Still. <laughs> so we go out with Ocho Cinco. He takes us out to some bar that actually looked like nobody was really there. It looked dead. Anyway, he explains to us that he doesn't really drink. And so he always orders Cranberry Red Bull because it looks like an alcoholic drink. And that way yeah. he can kind of look like he's drinking. And I thought, well, that's very responsible of you. You don't get a body like that going out and no, drinking. No, exactly right. Um, and Tank Johnson, who we met last season, is uh, shown rather than going out and having fun with the boys, he's out. He's at home making a bunk bed for his daughters. So making better decisions. He Yes, he's he's trying hard. You know, he wants to redeem himself, and so that's that's good. Maybe it's just for the cameras, but that's good. That's good that he's trying something. Now, look, and everyone that listened to last week's episode would know that we went through a little bit of Tank's future as well. Yes. And so he does he does turn it around and go the straight and narrow. So this is the last few years of his career. Yep. So good on him, starting to pull his head together. Um, we're told Jeremy Johnson is the starting fullback, but he needs to work on his conditioning and get in shape still. So you're coming off a knee injury, obviously. you got to get in shape. That's fine. Um, but then they kind of use that as an introduction to meet um, the draft pick in the sixth round, was it? Fui Vakapuna, who was oh, seventh round, sorry. He's a fullback from Brigham Young Univers University in um, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh 
you just kind of a quick introduction. Here he is. He's the fullback sort of thing. That's basically all they do. Uh, then they next show that the team's getting talks by like the highway patrol, um, some lady about um, safety issues, being a player, you know, being approached, robbed, that sort of thing, and security and that sort of stuff. And and I thought that was that's probably what all teams do. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, we know from the Ravens did that. The, the sexual, sex talk, yeah. the sex talk. So maybe that's it's on similar lines like that. I assume they also got the sex talk. They don't the talk. They don't show up. But given that happened in two thousand two, then obviously it's probably still happening in two thousand nine. I'd like, imagine. Yep, would be the first and last time that lady came to speak to the team about sexual harassment. No. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, then we get a little bit more information about Chase Kaufman. So his father played for the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs, where he actually at the Chiefs he played with the tight ends coach at the Bengals, Jonathan Hayes. So Hayes kind of jokingly during some of the when they're watching film and stuff, he's like, you need to tighten this up or else I'm going to call your dad. <laughs> like stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Like He does get on his back a fair bit. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. he needs it. Yeah. Like from Chase, he's very green. He needs it definitely, but he, it's pretty funny. He gets on his back, but not like oh, uh, not Garrett like, got on Martellus Bennett. Not, not, no, not, not like, like John that. Garrett. No, <laughs> not in like a lovey-dovey. No. Someone should call, you know, some services kind of stuff. Yep. So I want to immediately take back what I said about Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco at this point. So <laughs> he's shown going to McDonald's. There's a montage of him going to McDonald's. He gets McDonald's all the time, apparently. And like yeah. he'll jokingly go up to the coaches and he's just saying, hey, wanna, wanna, I'll take you out for dinner tonight. We're getting McDonald's. Like <laughs> He just apparently gets McDonald's all the time. I'm like, okay. Now look, he obviously does enough exercise and all that other stuff. He doesn't drink, so there's a whole lot of the other decisions he makes. Yep. Maybe he gets the salad option at Macca's. Yep. Like, what's the, what's the judgment there? Because that's what, I, that's what I do I'm when jealous. I go to Macca's. I'm just jealous. Obviously, just the salad. <laughs> uh, then Sean having a meeting with Marvin Lewis, and he wants to make more money. Not necessarily through pay but he's like how do i make more money on the side like how do i make my money work for you for me and, and marvin basically says you know you need to talk to a financial advisor i'm your head coach i'm not your financial advisor uh i just had a quick just had a quick look it up while i was watching the episode in 2009 he made four and a half million dollars so make like invest that's pretty it. good and yeah if you want to make more money invest it that's what you do or speak to anyone that knows about money yeah go talk to a financial advisor not your head coach yeah we're introduced to, tell me you can pronounce this. I can't remember how it was pronounced. Chindim Dekoy? Yep. Sounds right. I just literally, I should have written it out. Uh, he's fighting for the starting safety position. Um, and then we're shown free safety Corey Lynch. And he is mentioned because he saved, in the offseason, he saved a woman's life following a car crash. So he was behind her, I think it was. And she like rolled over several times and she was basically pinned in her car and she was pinned in such a way that her head was like fully forward and she couldn't breathe. And everyone thought she was dead. Like when they were looking at her and he noticed that she was kind of moving. So he jumped in the car and he was yanking her seat to try and like pull it back so that so he could, could slide her back yeah. to put her head up. And he's like, I wasn't even thinking about whether or not you were going to be paralyzed. I just knew you needed to breathe, which it's fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Like yeah. I would rather be paralyzed than dead. Yeah, exactly right. You'd, well, you'd have to be alive to care. It's a good point. Yeah. You're you're always here to call me out and point things out. I like that. 
Um, <laughs> that realistic person is grounding you. So her whole family comes and he spends some time with them and just, you know. Oh, that was really get nice. Get to meet him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, get to know him and, you know, she's very thankful, obviously. Uh, so he that's his second year, isn't it? That's his second year at the Bengals and he's basically still fighting for safety spot. Yeah, he's it's his second year, but he's not not guaranteed by any stretch. No. Um, then we're, they're showing traveling to New Orleans for their first preseason game and... Carson Palmer, this is going to be his first start since the previous October when he injured his elbow. He's in there for, what, like eight or nine plays before yeah. he injures his ankle? Yeah, uh, a bit rough. And then uh, Fui injures his ankle as well. Uh, Chris Henry, the wide receiver, is trying to redeem himself. He plays really well. Seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, but it's just not good enough. The Bengals lose lose 17-7. to uh, We have our kind of normal after- thing rap we don't know who most of they're talking about but they do talk about chris presley the fullback he gets really good reviews uh but fooey doesn't for what he did before his ankle injury yeah so chris yeah. presley you see him bloody monster someone yeah he's he is very physical which is perfect for that's, a fullback that's what you want that's as a fullback what you want yeah he comes in like a train and just yeah just destroys people it's yep. great um then i guess we go into episode three so one of the things that i noticed with full with hard knocks is that they Focus a lot on the coach's fitness too. Yep. So at this point, they actually uh, followed one of the coaches cycling to camp. Like just a long pan yep. of the coach cycling to camp. Just with no, nothing except music. It's, you know, random. Um, they moved straight into saying from um, one of the linebacker coach, Jeff, he said that everyone needs more reps. So he's complaining that he's not going to get the most out of his players and he's not going to see who has... Um, potential and who needs to go because there's not enough reps. Yep. He mentions it and he then starts talking to himself. <laughs> he's like, my guys need more reps. My guys need more reps. And he's not even looking at the camera. He's by himself. <laughs> I'm like, God, oh, this guy needs to have a nap. <laughs> have a nap. Maybe have a, one of those Castle Palmer's Gate Raids. Just chill out. Yeah, where is Lamar with the delicious four to five, five flavored Gatorade? I reckon Castle Palmer just like owns him. He might. Like, sorry, no, no, that's my water boy. <laughs> the way he talked to that other one whose Gatorade was watered down, he probably does. <laughs> yeah. You're not Lamar. He might as well just spat it in that little kid's face. <laughs> yeah, poor kid. But yeah, so look, poor old Jeff. Um, he's upset that his players aren't getting enough reps. Now, my question was, at the Cowboys camp last season, they were having two days. Yeah. There were reps coming absolutely everywhere. Not a single time did people say that they weren't getting enough reps at training. Whereas at this point, this is training that they're not getting enough reps. So I wonder... They're where, definitely doing two-a-days. I was pretty sure they are too. So No no doubt in my mind. But so it doesn't maybe make any sense. Maybe it's just due to the different philosophies. Because that was Camp Mellow or whatever they called Marshmallow. it. Marshmallow. Marshmallow. Yeah. Whereas this one, there is no holding back on hitting. They're shown constantly hitting. Uh, it could just be, you know different philosophies on training camp yeah, quite there. possibly but i found that ra- rather random that, yeah that they need more reps at training they don't even mention the game yep uh, so after this they actually moved into just like a montage of all the coaching and the pos- and the positional coaching yep so watching the off- offensive line coach doing drills defensive line coach doing drill you know for like 10 seconds each without any talking which i thought was pretty cool you get to see them you know hitting things and doing all the bag drills um, they move straight after this into zimmer talking about how he's disappointed in Corey lynch because, like I mentioned, it's his second year in the league, 
and he should be doing better by now. Yep. Yeah, so like he looks at the tape and he's like, oh, Corey, he should have done that better. Corey, he missed this. Corey, he did this. And he just says, you know, he should be better. Yep. And he tells Corey that. Yeah. He's very yeah. straight down the line, Mike Zimmer, which I'll get to shortly, <laughs> which highlights that. Um, there's a new kid that is a undrafted free agent. His name is Tom Nelson, number 43, and he's a defensive back. So, but look, it's an undrafted rookie. So it looks like he's actually training as a to play cornerback. Yep. But he's also training to back up the free, the safety core too. Yep. And but like basically, he looks really good. And Roy Williams, as we mentioned from previous years, you know, the Hall of Famer Roy Williams speaks about him having skills. So he's getting like a like a quite a superstar's recommendation as well. They move into highlighting Mike Zimmer. So Mike Zimmer, the defensive coordinator. We've seen Mike Zimmer in our previous hard knocks and we'll see him in future hard knocks as well. So it's his second year in Cincinnati. Uh, he takes the position and so he takes the position that his defense is a bunch of blokes that no one else wants. And he's proud of that. He's proud of it. Yep. He's like, no one else wanted us. We need to go out there and prove that we deserve to be here. Yep. And we do. So look, I thought that was you know, interesting like perspective that he's taking for the blokes. He highlights that their, which draft pick was he? Um, the number two draft pick, number 38 overall, Ray Maluga, who is a linebacker. They mentioned that he's a brute. Like they watch him hit and he just hits like an absolute monster. And so basically they say that he's already got a starting position, which is pretty good in a linebacker for a line, like Obviously there's what three linebackers that typically start. And he hurts his shoulder. He gets a stinger. He misses the first preseason game. And after this preseason game, they actually have Mike Zimmer saying g'day to all the players. Now, I didn't know this because being an injured bloke is obviously a preconception about, you know, you, you being not even a person because Mike Zimmer walks past and says this. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hurt guys? I don't talk to hurt guys. What's up? <laughs> so he's literally walking along a line of blokes who are stretching and he shakes hands with everyone and as he walks past Ray Maluga he basically just ignores him completely and Ray has to walk over and like grab his hand and he's hi and he's oh hey hurt guy I'm like well that's a little rough like, I don't talk to hurt guys yeah I don't talk to hurt guys I'm like that that's pretty old school <laughs> and then they actually go on to uh, highlight a bunch of the blokes at training that are injured so yep. like there's literally like like there are like eight players who never get on the park. This is probably one of these other differences with the Cowboys and the Bengals right here is the fact that we barely saw anybody injured at the Cowboys, and we're only in like what it would be the second week or third week, not the second week of training camp, and there's already like nine dudes injured, eight or nine dudes Heaps injured. Heaps of people injured. Yep. Heaps. And you got to see blokes doing like a lot of the basic run throughs, and the coaches are yelling abuse at them for being soft. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, you don't get on the park at all, so what do you even know? Like, all that stuff, which is, for me, that just makes absolutely no sense. Um, so then, obviously, after this, they highlight Carson Palmer's ankle injury as well, and it says that it's going to be bothering him for weeks. Now, Carson Palmer, at this point, looks up to the doctor and says, you need to take into consideration that I'm a really quick healer. His quote is, I have a lot more white blood cells than the average American. <laughs> and literally I was staring at the screen going shut up you idiot <laughs> like how is that going to help an ankle injury it's not an infection no you, you do you know anything about medicine obviously white blood cells 
That's how it makes bones stronger. That's what bones are made out of, white blood cells. Is it because bones are white? Yeah, exactly. Is that where you're getting this from? Is, yep. that, is that or from Carson's memoir? No, that's that's what it is. And pee comes from the balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Carson. Okay, Carson. Um, yeah, Lamar, so makes, Lamar the makes the best Gatorade. Gatorade. Yeah, exactly right. So he's giving us all scientific knowledge too. Um, but I just, I just looked, literally looked at me like, come on, that's just ridiculous. Go away. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's obviously not happy with the fact his injury is going to take a while. Because obviously he's a competitor. Like he really wants to compete and he's going to be starting hopefully by the first round. Uh, they move then for obviously looking at Andre Smith, the offensive tackle that we mentioned is holding out and that he's still holding out. And they actually look at the O-line at this point saying that it's really difficult for an O-line core to get cohesion when one of your key players is missing. Yeah, if you take an offensive lineman in the first round, you're pretty much saying he's going to start. Like that's yeah. our guy, and he's not there. And they, an offensive core, offensive line, they need to play together yes. to develop rapport with each other. They have to think for one another. You have to know the guy next to you is going to do what he needs to do so you can do what you need to do. That's yeah, ex- exactly right. Crazy and I, and important. I'll play it, O-Line, and yeah. literally, if you've done it with the same blokes for a while, you get better. Yep. It's cohesive. You get better. You know what the bloke next to you is going to do. You know when you can push people off or when you need to take them. And that is something that you can't develop in a week and a half before the first game of the year. And at this point, we're already two weeks into training camp. Yeah. The first game is two and a half weeks away. Arguably, of any of the positions where you've got more than like a linebacker core or defensive line or whatever, arguably offensive line is the most important for them to click together because they work together so much. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And as most people know, obviously myself and specifically J.A., who obviously co-runs the vault, we're very much um, focused on offensive line yep. a lot around the league because we're both offensive linemen. So that is so important to any team. And because of that importance, they they pan to the, the assistant coach was um, Paul Alexander. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so Paul Alexander, being the offensive line coach as well, mentions that there's this bloke that's coming, he's weighed in for D-line. Now, I think that he has the best attributes for an O-line. Can, can I steal him? Yep. And the head coach, Marvin Lewis, says, well, yeah. And he says, well, what if he disagrees? And Marvin Lewis says, well, then he won't be here. Like, he won't be playing. So, Jason Shirley, he's number nine. He was number 97. And so, he basically gets told, hey, mate, you need to move to O-line. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, he doesn't argue. He just goes, sure, whatever you want me to do. And he's a big boy. Like he's a very big boy. He looks like a very good offensive line body. Uh, however, he hasn't been doing all the hand drills, hasn't been doing all the foot drills, the foot skills, the playbooks. So he's very, very green. But physically, he looks really good. Now, let's not forget that they brought in Gus Parrish, the undrafted left tackle. Uh, he's number 67, and he's still trying to make the team. They highlighted that he made a good cut in the preseason game in the last game. It's the only thing they could bring up for him. Yep. He made a good cut. Now, I love a good cut block. Um, and it's actually one of the, the easiest and best tools an O-lineman can have. So, good on you, Gus. However, they probably, at this point, are looking for Jason Shirley to take your job. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, buddy. They go back to Chad Johnson, so Ocho Senko, And he basically says, I ain't getting enough reps. I've only had two reps. Um, and it kind of really highlights that I guess some of the more veteran players really want more repetitions. They want more plays because they need to hone their skills. 
Now, <laughs> we get introduced to Ocho's second tagline. Yep. Yep. And so it basically his second tagline is... Kiss the baby is basically a statement similar to when the fat lady sings. You got to kiss the baby. <laughs> it sounds creepy. Don't kiss the friggin' baby. Hand the baby back to his parent. Child, please. <laughs> Child, please. <laughs> and so he just has all these ridiculous things and he's trying to make this a thing. You know, like yeah. you see, they, pair, they have a montage of him talking to like 25 different people trying to bring up kiss the baby and everyone's looking at him like you're an idiot <laughs> but he gets a couple of refs that they go woohoo child please kiss the baby because they're not refs aren't real people no. i'm joking i'm joking i love referees i am actually a referee as well so one of the things that came next was that ocho does a lot of merchandise for himself and he's brought out ocho condoms yeah so the tagline is ocho condoms it catches everything a johnson shoots <laughs> so his name is Chad Johnson for those that don't know Ocho Cinco yep and so he has actually has his own condom brand and that's what the tagline is for the condoms which I think my note was God bring back T.O. <laughs> was your was your note but, yes <laughs> because he, at this point he's just getting on my nerves go away go away Ocho <laughs> but in saying that he is a character so you, you always need a character now we move into a running back battle after this yeah, so one of the things that they went through was the fact that they have a bunch of running backs and they were looking at a running back battle. That's our battle tune. So the battle is between running back number 27, Dee Dee Dorsey, number 40, Brian Leonard. So they're fighting for a third running back spot. Yep. Yeah, so that's behind Cedric Benson, uh, behind Bernard Scott. So they're looking for the third running back position. So Didi Dorsey is a lot more of a uh, he's a faster running back. You find that he's he looks his body type looks a lot more like David Johnson or one of yeah. those type of players. Whereas um, whereas Brian Leonard looks like a much more downhill runner, square yeah. shoulders. He hits the packs. So they're completely two different types of runners. Just so, um, quickly on Didi, um, I would urge everyone at home right now to look him up on um, Google Images and. His neck is so much bigger than the rest of his head. So he's a giraffe. Some of those, like I mean, width. Oh. It is a thick neck. Like you yeah. see that with linebackers a lot. This dude, his neck is at least two or three inches overall bigger than like the width of his head at his ears or whatever. Just something I noticed. Well, I feel sorry for his parents because he obviously grew up shrugging a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just a bad dad joke. Uh, Now, the heart, like, it's funny that there's obviously the battle going on. This battle lasts the next two episodes as well. However, then they bring up the fact that number 30, Marlon Lucky, is another running back trying to get a gig, but they don't even, they don't even, like, factor him in. They're literally like, oh, Marvin, yeah. Um, Marlon, sorry. Yeah, no, he's he's probably not going to make it. <laughs> release him. Yeah, like why what do you, you hold, hold it when you know you've got seven running backs sitting there? Why do you hold the last two, yeah. knowing full well that they're not going to play? Which I feel sorry for the poor bugger. But here, like I said, like he gets no raps because of the battle. Like they really want to see what Dorsey and Leonard have, so he's not getting any chances. Ray Maluga, so our linebacker rookie, he actually you hear him talk about his roster anxiety. So he start, he's talking to one of the more senior linebackers saying, oh, so how many linebackers do you think they're taking? Uh, and the bloke with him is like, dude, chill out. Like, they'll take a few. Who cares? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Because <laughs> at this point, he still has a stinger. 
Yep. So then after that, he gets uh, he gets approved for active contact. He looks good. So he's be, he's told he was going to be getting reps. The coach says, "Look, don't be an asshole. If you feel something, tell us." He doesn't seem like a bloke. He would tell you. He would play through hurt, I imagine. But he look he looks good when he comes back in anyway. Marvin Lewis has a press conference after this where he talks about uh, breaking up training camp and they're asking, you know, oh, did you get what you wanted out of camp? Do you know what your team's looking like now? And he says, look, training camp continues. It's just the fact that we're not here anymore. We're not in Georgetown. We're yep. going home to continue our training. One of the um, one of the blokes, is it Bracklidge? Bracklock? One of the linebackers? He actually went and grabbed a kid from the crowd. Yep. Did you see this? So he brought yeah. it, he got a kid from the crowd. He just picked one at random and said, hey, buddy, do you want to come into the locker room? So he took the kid into the locker room, got to meet all the players, got him a football, all the players signed it. And this is just out of nowhere. Just brought this kid in at the end of practice. And it looked awesome. Like, yeah, I really liked the fact that they did that. Um, the, the kid actually didn't look overly interested. <laughs> He's like five or something. Yeah. Didn't look overly interested, but I actually thought I was really impressed. Then obviously breaking up camp, the fact that Didi Dorsey had to jumpstart his big, was it F-250? Yep. Because um, it had been parked there for so long. Then they obviously they looked then going to the next preseason game against the Patriots. So one of the most ridiculous things here was the fact that Chad Johnson, Ocho Senko, gets a Manny Petty and a foot spa before every single game, even if it's a preseason. You got to do what you got to do to look good. He's on national television. His feet aren't, but his hands will be. <laughs> Well, it just it just shocked me. Have you I'm had sh- a Manny Petty before? No, I have not. Well, Vault Studio Manny Petty date. Well, all right, let's do it, and we'll film it, and we'll put it on the Facebook. That's page. it. All oh, right. Yep. Oh. I'm very ticklish. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Ocho is not. So Ocho, look, look, he spends hours doing this. It's, it's ridiculous. So the preseason game is against the Patriots at Gillette Stadium. So for those who don't know, that is an away game for the Bengals. Carson Palmer's not playing in the pre... This is one of the biggest things. In the pre-warm-up, the kicker, Graham, is injured. And you go, okay, well, from now on, we'll have to just go for two because we don't have a kicker. Yep. Where they highlight Ocho hugs Belichick at the start of the game because they know each other really well. And Ocho and goes, um, oh, you're not going to double coverage me or anything, are you? And Belichick as a joke goes, yeah, mate, don't, we've got 85 on our double coverages the whole day. And he's like, oh, you're joking. And he walks away and he goes, Damn, he better be joking. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was, it was very funny. But the first series, Chad's yelling from, he lines up in his wide receiver stance and he starts yelling at the sideline, hey, Bill, hey, Bill, yelling to Bill Belichick. (laughs) And the coaches in the box are like, oh, Chad, just freaking pull your head in. We're playing a game. And then he goes and catches like three 30-yard passes. So Chad, just do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how the on-field talent can just outweigh all of that. Yep. So then, obviously, he stops playing after half, after nearly what halftime, second quarter. Yeah, about be- that. Because he's a veteran, he doesn't need to. Which is actually a lot for a veteran. Yeah, like, like you said though, there could be the different cultures between teams because we saw the Cowboys really protected their players. Yep. Early on, Ray Maluga, our linebacker, gets a run in the second quarter. He makes an amazing tackle. His first tackle, he, sh- he sheds a he sheds a fullback, gets around him, and makes a tackle. What oh, looked like one yard deep, so it looked really good. Yep. D line are pressuring the QB the whole time. Um, Ocho Senko goes to the boss man, as he calls him, the coach yes. Marvin Lewis. He goes, "Hey, boss man," he says, "You know, get, let me kick." 
And at this point, we didn't realise, but he is the backup kicker. Yep. So this ridiculous football player <laughs> is a backup kicker. And the coach laughs. He's like, oh, I don't know if we're there yet. And then they score a touchdown and they send Chad Johnson out to kick. Yep. He kicks the stuffing out of that ball. Yep. He literally, he kicked the extra point and I was really impressed. And everyone's pissing themselves <laughs> laughing. And he's like, and he walks over and the coaches say, do you reckon he's going to expect a bigger signing bonus for this? <laughs> he's doing two players' jobs. He's though. doing two players' he jobs. He's a signing bonus. Yeah, exactly right. And then he went and actually kicked, uh, he kicked off as well. Yep. And it landed on the 10-yard line. Yeah. Like, it was it good. Was solid. It was a good kickoff too. I yeah. was so impressed. Um, so that's enough about Ocho for this game. Basically, uh, I did write so many notes on it. Yeah, <laughs> the the commentator says he'll be hard to live with now. <laughs> <laughs> then we move on to Corey Lynch, who was obviously the safety from the second year safety, trying to make um, the team. He's a few good plays, nothing special. However, he's upstaged by the rookie Tom Nelson, who's the other cornerback, cornerback uh, who destroyed Hoyer. So Brian Hoyer is obviously the backup at Patriots at this point. Yep, and he blindsided. Blitzes and destroys him. He he absolutely lays him out. And he's a direct DB coach. Instead of saying, "Oh, great job, high five," he says, "You should have stripped it." <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, mate! Like that's <laughs> my first NFL grade um, sack. Yep. Give me high five. <laughs> I thought that was a bit rough. So we go to our new offensive lineman who was a D lineman, um, Shirley. He get he pancakes one of the defensive ends. He looks like he's he's a beast. He looks like he's playing really well. Yep. We get to, highlights the last quarter with the, the the running back battle with Leonard and Dorsey. Um, they both have a lot of runs. They actually both play pretty well. Uh, however, they ran themselves into the ground because Dorsey's on the sideline and he spews. Yep. The coach comes over and says, "Are you okay? What do you need?" He and he said, "I'll let you know." He said, "Let me know if you need anything." And his response was. I might need a hug. I was like, he just take like 25 reps. That's yeah. <laughs> viewed on the sideline. I thought that was rather cute. Uh, and the Bengals recovered a fumble. Tom Nelson, the young kid, dives on it. So obviously gives himself a leg up when it comes to the depth chart, in yep. my opinion. They won 7-6 over the Patriots. Coaching conference after the game. They all love Ray Maluga. They say that he's uh, obviously a little bit of a loose cannon, but he's an, he just destroys people and he yep. can't... Can't fault him for his aggression and physicality. They give props to Tom Nelson, obviously. He jumped on a fumble, made a few good things. Corey Lynch, they're concerned with his ability to shoot the gun, as they say. So, as a match, like he obviously he can cover, but he just doesn't come and bring a hit. He doesn't come and um, make those plays. At the end of this, at the end of the episode, they finished with our fourth or fifth string running back, Marlon Lucky, number thirty, who hadn't didn't get a single rep in the whole game. He got cut. Now, this is brutal. They didn't bring him into the office. They didn't give him any privacy. Literally, they pl- eight players were walking in and Jim Pilcott, yeah. he grabbed him and pulled him like a, a foot aside and said, we're waving you today in front of all the blokes walking past. Yep. Didn't bring him into office, didn't give him anything. He said, we're waving you today. Where are you flying to? Yep. That was it. Yep. Literally, brutal. absolutely brutal. I thought that was disgraceful. But like it's different organizations. Yep. At least bring him in. Yep. Okay, mate, we're waving you today. Not just, oh, hey, look, all your colleagues here can watch the fact that you're <laughs> going to start crying. Yep. Like, yeah, come on. And that is the end of episode three. 
So episode four opens with uh, Marvin Lewis just unloading on the team. And then it goes like SpongeBob style five days earlier. So you're like, oh, why is he so angry about the win? But no, it was five <laughs> days earlier. I was like, I'm, I don't remember seeing that before in Hard Knocks. No. Um, negotiations with Andre Smith are ongoing. So they introduce us to who's doing the negotiating. So it's Katie Blackburn. She is the vice president of the club, and she's the daughter of owner Mike Brown, who, and obviously the granddaughter of the founder and head coach, first head coach Paul Brown. Uh, she's the one doing all the negotiating. She's a former lawyer. She went to school, became a lawyer, and then joined the the family business, the NFL team. Um, she seems Maine. She does seem Maine. She seems very tough. Mm, she's very definitely tough. a tough lady. Um. Then we get a nice little bit of Ocho Cinco. He's holding Women's Weekly or something like that, and he's so <laughs> confused. He's just talking about how a woman like Jennifer Aniston, how can a woman like Jennifer Aniston not hold down a man? And he thinks it's because she needs to come down a level, date a school teacher or a janitor or something like that. That's like his. Brad Pitt. That's his. Yeah, that's his advice to Jennifer Aniston. I don't think she followed it. Was she dating Brad Pitt at that point? She might have been. I'm not sure when they broke up. I know a lot less about those people than I do about Hard Knocks. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe? The last time I read Woman's Weekly was literally for a recipe for cake. I noticed it like the in the trend. checkout. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we're introduced to Chad's girlfriend, Maya. Um, she likes to say, she says that women like to change a man. And then he's super confused. He says, the only thing I've changed is my last name. <laughs> And then she's talking about how they met and about how he, st- they met, they were sitting next to each other on an airplane and he stole her phone while she was asleep and called himself so he could get her number and all this sort of stuff. And that is creepy. I thought it was creepy too. Isn't but that anyway. like what stalkers do? He he did admit that it was like a stalker thing. Yeah, well, good. Well, at least he understands yeah. he's a stalker. But um, <laughs> Good job, Ocho. Yeah, it worked out for him if you look like and make as much as Ocho. You can kind of do a, a lot more stuff than we could do. Child, please. <laughs> Child, please. Exactly. <laughs> Up next, we've got Tank Johnson. He's sitting down with Zimmer, and Zimmer is just kind of saying to him, like Zimmer, as you said before, Zimmer is very straightforward. He'll tell you what he's thinking. And so he basically says... The tank's reputation it precedes him, and he doesn't want him to be a negative influence on the team. And he says, "Tank, you need to stop being so negative. You're here. This is you've just just joined the team. Just stop being negative." And Tank's like, "I'll just I'm just I might just stop talking, sort of thing." And Zimmer's like, "No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just stop being so negative." And and basically they have a big uh, big talk like that. And then we see Jason Shirley, who's as we've mentioned, trying to make the switch. Uh, from D-line to O-line, he's very, he's got the physical gifts, as you point out. He's definitely, definitely body type, definitely everything physical, but it's a hard switch going from D-line to O-line. So they're focusing on that, and they kind of keep it around the O-line, and they they talk about Gus a bit more, and Gus is still just, he's still on the team, but he's really struggling. He is just not making that next leap, and... um. After that, we see Brian Leonard and Dede. They're still battling it out for the last spot on the running back depth chart. Uh, Brian was traded to the Bengals from the St. Louis Rams uh, that offseason. And uh, the coaches are shown, giving both players plenty of reps. They're they're unlike other seasons where they kind of, maybe they kind of choose a guy ahead of time. These two, they clearly don't know. They have no idea yet. So it's just, for a good couple minutes, it's just back and forth. 
back and forth, just each of them doing it. And they're they're the coaches. They both like them. They, I mean, they they like them. They're just trying to figure out who's who, who's who's it going to be. Yeah, well, I think at this point they're trying to choose between a second fullback, yep, or another running back. And if it's another, if it's if it's a two running backs, then both would get a gig. Yep, basically, but they don't know that yet. Yep. Uh, then we're introduced to a guy that we are definitely going to talk about next week because it's super cool story. But uh, we're introduced to James Brown. So they call him JB around there. He's a clubhouse assistant. He's been with the team since 1968. Uh, he just does whatever they need from him. That's basically his role. So if he needs to deliver stuff throughout the admin building, showing you know dropping off packages between different offices, he's shown um, kind of being a bit of an equipment manager role. Uh, and ever since the 1980s, every single game, JB has led the team onto the field. That's amazing. Away That's and home. Cool. That's awesome. So he. Uh, we'll go, like I said, in depth next week, but he got introduced to the club by the owner, Jim Brown. So that's how he, he was a big fan local, and he got to know Jim Brown, and that's how he kind of got the role, and since 68, been, been in the club. I imagine he doesn't get paid, and he does it all out of the goodness of his heart and his love for the club. I imagine he gets paid. Oh, really? Yeah. But what does he do? He's the clubhouse assistant. He's got a title. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Kiss. If you have a title, then you might be due a stipend. <laughs> I d- but I got the impression he's paid. Is it because he wore a nice polo shirt? Yeah, he had a nice polo shirt. He's doing work around there. Yeah, true. He's and he's not a young man. He's been no, there he's since old. 1968. Yeah, yeah. Nah, he's an old dude. He's not an intern. <laughs> um, he could be an intern. Yeah, you never know. Could. No, he's not. <laughs> we get to know Tom Nelson more now. So, Tom Nelson is an undrafted free agent at Illinois State. He's attempting to make the team, obviously, as a, a free agent. And as you mentioned, he got that sack on Brian Hoyer. And now they're walking around and they're calling him Sackmaster. That's and a cool nickname. It is a great nickname. He doesn't really like it because he's like, I only made, I, it wasn't that great of a sack. Like, I, that's all I did. Like, don't call me that sort of thing. And they're like, veterans are going up to him being like, hey, Hey, Sackmaster, I got a question for you. I need some <laughs> advice and stuff like that. They're just, and then as they're having their defensive their defensive meeting, uh, Zimmer points out that even he could have made that sack. He was so he did he barely had to even touch any of the O line or the he fullback or anything. He just he was un- right there, just yeah, straight through, untouched yeah. on the edge, and he just rushed as a, as a CB. He laid him out, but yeah, even Zimmer's like, I could have made that sack. He probably could have. He probably could have. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't take anything away from his fumble recovery, though. No, Nobody exactly mentions right. that. They don't yeah. call him Fumble Master, but he is the Sack Master. Mm. Uh, Chris Presley and Fua Vakapuna are getting very close to each other. They're saying they're friends now and stuff, even though they're technically fighting for the backup job between, behind Jeremy Johnson. And they're both saying, like, we just help each other out. We're, we're friendly and stuff. And they they both say, we know this is just a job. Like, at the end of the day, this is like your coworker, and one of us is going to make it. Might as well be the best of us sort of thing. That was a great outlook. Great outlook. They're both pretty nice blokes. Yeah. Pretty uh, straightforward, pretty down to earth. Yep. We already know we love Chris because of yeah, he's so what smart he's done. And yep. All of and, his upbringing and stuff. And Fool is the same thing. Like, just seems like a rural, straightforward guy. Very yeah. nice. Um, Chris is just impressing everybody with his physicality. We already mentioned he just trucks dudes. So he is uh, on a play and he's going straight through the line and he, I believe it's a linebacker. He hits him so hard that he dents his face mask. The his own his, helmet, his own face mask. He, he dents it, 
And the equipment man is like, I've never seen anyone do this. So I've now, never seen anyone do that. That's no, ridiculous. That's that's more impressive than in the first season when uh, that uh, Cowboy Trent Zimmer or whatever it was, the linebacker switching to fullback, when he dented his um, shoulder, shoulder pads. pads. Those are plastic. A face mask is metal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's some heavy, heavy force. Oh, yeah. Um, we kind of see Carson still recovering from his injury, so the backups are getting more reps. Who's one of the backups? It's Jordan Palmer, Carson's younger brother, and could just be twins. Like they're, They look very they similar. They look very similar. Uh, so he's a backup, and we're introduced to Jordan's little side business. So should the NFL not work out, he has a website and an app called RunP. Now, RunP is something that you... You check what movie you're gonna go see, and it gives you when it's okay to go to the toilet. Like, so you download you won't it. Miss too much. Yeah, you won't miss too much. And it, it, you even go if you go to the bathroom while you you put in like you quick press like I'm going to the bathroom now, and then when you're in the bathroom, it tells you what you're missing. I want that app. I didn't actually look at. We'll we'll explore next week if it's still around. That sounds awesome. So that's a, a little interesting side hustle there. I thought that was that's pretty funny. And yeah. He's bragging about how at one point it was top 10 on the App Store and stuff like that. So good for him. If it's still there, then that's interesting. I haven't heard of it at this point. The but way that people make money. I swear <laughs> to God. Um, and good then Coach Lewis is given, he, he has to give a talk about to the team about social media, Twitter and Facebook. Now, remember, this is 2009, and this isn't really as recent like this is when stuff's starting to get a lot more bigger and he basically says times are changing and basically if you're gonna say anything on social media don't say anything on social media you wouldn't say in an actual press conference that's that's what he says that's pretty solid advice yeah and i think a lot of players could could do with that advice even today Still, that's, yeah, that for sure it makes a lot of sense he's like just don't get caught up in responding to people and they panned to just go the whole time <laughs> on his phone constantly uh players are starting to get a bit casual about training they're starting to show up some are showing up in thongs and slippers like flip-flops yep yeah, flip-flops thongs yep i would you know, i thought i was being australian <laughs> i would call it flip-flops yeah and i was he, making sure that we knew what kind of item of clothing we're talking about well i don't well, you you want to have a nice butt in those tight pants? You wear a thong, didn't you? Used to wear a thong, you play? Yeah, yeah, of course. I went, I went still commando. Anyway, no, no lines, no lines. I don't want any lines. Yeah. Uh, up next, we've got the Rams versus the Bengals. All right. Um, this is the what, third, third game, uh, preseason game. The offensive line terrible, plays very badly. Uh, they They're destroyed. The Rams' D-line just walks all over them. Uh, by the time it's the second quarter, it's 21-7. to um, Brian Leonard scores the, the Bengals' second touchdown against his former team. As we said, he was just traded from the Rams. And the Bengals go into halftime trailing 21-14. to So it's a little bit better. Picking it up. DD is shown playing real well in the second half. Basically, what they show is he's just he's grinding out yards. So he's getting hit and taking another couple yards. Just pushing dudes just try and get another couple of yards yards perfect. after contact is a, a stat that so many people look at when they're looking at yep. drafting and running back because yep. that's huge yep doesn't matter what o-line you've got if you've got yards after contact yep absolutely uh so jordan palmer is at the uh, qb at this point so he gets picked off by quincy butler who takes it all the way to the Rams 17 yard line from like it was a 50 yard run or something like that it was i don't know where they started but it was it was over 50 yards probably 
they show a teeny bit of the defense, not really in the 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 Bengals get the the ball back and Jordan Palmer goes out and he does well to get past that interception because that's one of the things that some QBs can struggle with is you you, you got to just all right that's done on to the next series on it, typically and he finds Chris Henry the wide receiver open to bring the Bengals within three points in the fourth quarter so it's a pretty good shot just over one other uh, day back and Chris is fast he's very fast so the second he's got it he rubs it in runs it in uh, so they're within three points in the fourth quarter um, three minutes remaining. The Bengals have the ball. Can't really tell what where they were on the field, but they would have been pretty close probably. Uh, Gus Parrish, he gets just absolutely beat by the defensive end. He barely puts his hands on him, and Palmer is just sacked, right? He's sacked, and he fumbles, and it's recovered by the Rams, and they run out the game. Um, so he was playing right tackle. Yep. And he basically just whiffed him, completely whiffed him. The yep. D, the D end basically made a very small step. Yep. And he, he lunged got, forward like a hand, and got a hand on the side shoulder, and he basically just walked right through and destroyed Jordan Palmer. Yep. As he was, you know, had his one arm back to throw cock back, and so the ball's it's gone. Like, and a ram jumps on it, and they basically run it out. And then that's where we go to the the what we saw at the start of the episode with the five days earlier. Um, <laughs> Marvin just lays into him. He is not happy at all. He is just I've I in all of Hard Knocks so far we have not seen a coach this angry. No, especially not for a preseason game. No, nope. like Wade Phillips was like really nice about it. Yep. Like Home Edwards was really nice about it. You don't see any of that. Nope. He. Absolutely rooms. He definitely does not take the blame for it, unlike Wade Phillips. <laughs> Don't worry, Gus. It was my fault that you let Jordan Palmer get sacked <laughs> and we lost the game. <laughs> yes. Uh, up next, uh, this is the next day, and they're going through their post-game evaluations, as they would, and they have to let five guys go. So they kind of talk about a couple different guys, but um, we don't really know them. Um, Chip, as you said already, Jim Lippincott is the Turk. He's the director of football operations there at the Bengals. Um, they cut. He he gets guys as they're coming into the training facility. Um, they send a couple of the names, but we hadn't seen them during it, so it wasn't really important. But what was important is Andre Smith's here. He oh, is here, yeah. and he is ready to sign his contract. So he shows up. He signs nine hundred pages of paper. Goes in to meet with Mike Brown, and Mike Brown is not happy. You can tell he's not happy. He tries to pretend like he's happy, but it's just awkward. He looks angry. And the whole time he looks angry, like Andre Smith disrespected him personally. Yep, and he's—it's just awkward. And Andre kind of gives him a handshake or whatever, and Brown's just like, "You've got to get in good shape," because I hear from what I hear, you're not in good shape. So go get out there, and then like, okay, yep, no worries. And he walks away, and you're like, "Oh, that was awkward." Chilly, yeah, Brown very, is angry, very oh, yeah. chilly. So Andre says he's he's ready to rehabilitate his his image after the holdout plus switching agents and managers and his bad pro day. Um, and they end the episode with him struggling. As you can imagine, you miss four weeks of reps. You're going to come in like, you're not going to come in great. You're going to really struggle. Third practice, he fractures a bone in his foot. <laughs> so he's out for a minimum of six weeks for that. That is just ridiculous i you know i there weren't my cameras there but i guarantee mike brown went home and was just screaming i bet he broke plates or something because given how angry he was 
to then lose the guy three practices later. Throwing knives at stuffed animals and all sorts, oh, I reckon. Man. He just looks like an angry, angry bloke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, not nah, silly. You, you, you might find that is actually the three and a half weeks of conditioning he missed where they, they ease people into things. Yep. As well, which isn't great. Yeah. Cool. So, episode five. Man, Coach Chad, please. <laughs> Joe, please. <laughs> <laughs> which is a good segue because episode five starts with Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco saying, Joe, please. Yep. You know, because obviously he seems like he wants to tell everyone to fuck off. Yes. As we've been told. So this is the final week of training camp. It's a highlighter that with the veterans, most of them will not play the last season game. Most of them now have moved on mentally past training camp and they're yep. moving into the re- preseason. Uh, sorry, the real season. And the last preseason game is really for the Brink players. It's for the players that are still trying to cement their lo- their position in the lineup. Marvin Lewis has a, like a discussion with just the rookies and second-year players about the potential cuts. Just giving them a heads up that, unfortunately, guys, a lot of you here won't make the team. But we're going to keep some of you on the training squad, so it's still worthwhile trying, still worthwhile rocking up and putting as much effort in as possible. <laughs> they move over to what I thought was rather funny. Um, Roy Williams, so the veteran safety, he actually he was covering... Ochocinco, and he actually gave him crap about dropping catches. And he said, oh, look, mate, you've dropped five catches. Be a professional. Do better than that. That's not good enough. Ocho goes, what? I haven't, I haven't dropped more than two catches all camp. Like, you're ridiculous. You're lying. And so thank you, Hard Knocks, because they went and did a montage of all of his <laughs> drops throughout training camp, and there was like 15 or something. <laughs> uh, which, I look, I thought that was hilarious yeah. uh, and they, they seem to have a healthy competitive relationship those two uh, which look I wouldn't be trash talking Roy Williams with the way that he hits no if I was a receiver no. so thank, I, I, I just think I just nod your head and say thanks now we, we moved on to speaking about what you did before about Ocho Senko being obsessed with his Twitter account and his social media so Marvin comes in and says from now on no one can tweet or do any social medias in the locker room or speak about our club yep at all. Ochocinco goes, man, he could have actually said that to me personally because it was for me and no one else. Then you see him at home, like, it looks like he tears up when he closes his laptop all, like, ominously. He says, losing my Twitter and you stream is like losing my Johnson. <laughs> no, it's not. He had, like, early social media addiction, didn't he? Yeah, early. Like, <laughs> mate, you, you got, the first game is in a week. Yeah. Uh. You've only got training and these things for like six more days. Buddy, chill yourself out, buddy. I guess, see, that's a hard thing though. He's always up. He's always on. Yep. And that's his personality too. So, uh, Michael, Mike Brand, sorry, he goes through the next, next explaining. He's hoping that the team's going to meet expectations, hoping that he himself meets expectations of his own heroes, which is when his dad was coaching and was the owner and about all the blokes in that era. And he seemed like he was getting quite emotional, but I couldn't tell because he always has a scowl on his face. Yeah, definitely. So quite possibly it was Resting wasn't. bitch face. Resting bitch face. <laughs> yeah, good job, Mike Brown. He actually he looks like an angry bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> and then, look, up. they actually bring up after this that the Cincinnati Bengals have a chant. I didn't know this. They have a chant which they play all playoff series. They play, The crowd chant it constantly. Here it is. So who day, who day, who day think they're going to beat them Bengals? And they chant it constantly. Yeah, you didn't know that? I did not know that. It's like on their hats and stuff. 
Well, didn't you read my draft ranking, draft hat rankings? No, I just watched the I just watched the the comments from your wife <laughs> saying that it was orange, and I thought that orange isn't their color. Yep, <laughs> good job, Pip. Um, you can still read that on the Vault Studio webpage. So look, from that they go through that, and also they start talking about how they haven't been to a playoff for a little while, so that you know they haven't heard that song as much. They move on to Shirley, the offensive lineman, the new offensive lineman who used to be a D-lineman, trying to make the shift from D-line to O-line. He's pretty chill about it. You get to see him playing Madden. He's not even looking at the camera. He's literally like playing. He's like, oh, yeah, shit, shit will happen. It'll be fine. Like, they seem to be happy. He doesn't really seem to be struggling at all. However, in comparison, Augustus Parrish is really struggling. I can't see him making the team at this point. They're just ripping into him, specifically after he got up that sack from the last game. They're yep. tearing shreds out of him constantly. He, they're showing lots of highlights of him just reaching for players and missing them constantly. He seems stressed. They highlight Andre Smith's fractured foot, mentioning that they need another backup now. <laughs> Which you'd think, God, they're going to give Gus a job. Yep. How? When he's playing so badly. <laughs> uh, they move on to Ray... Um, Mary Maluga uh, looks like he's getting the starting job. However, they highlight that he's taking the starting job from his own mentor and friend, but they both say it's a business, so it's fine. Bernard Scott's the running back. He looks really promising. He's a sixth-round pick, and he's the second-round um, running back for the team at the moment. They'll think that he's really good and shows a lot of promise. Our tight end rookie, Chase Kaufman, he's now dropped the third string on the, on the depth chart, and he's struggling a lot. They highlight Fui battling for the fullback job, but it's actually battling for the second string fullback job. Yep. Really. They go back into the battle between Dorsey and Leonard. They have more personal interviews about how their aspirations are this late in camp, what they think their actual realistic options are, and whether they think they're going to make the team and what you know all those things. So it gets a bit more personal with them. So obviously leading to a cut, in my opinion. <laughs> they go through Castle Palmer's rehab and his exercises. For too long, I yep. thought. Yeah, I literally sit with him well. for like four or five minutes watching him like move ex- like move medicine balls and do Pilates type exercises. Yeah. Cool. And then they move into um, Ben Utek, tight end. The one, the bloke that had the fifth concussion in the first episode. They have a look at him to his future. The coach talk, like sits him down and says that your personal health and your you know physical health is more important than the football club. Yep. Uh, and... Basically, then they call him the next thing, saying that he's going to start the season on injury reserve. They next go on to highlight Corey Lynch and how he saved the family in the offseason. You get to meet that family again. And that, however, they highlight he's trying to save his position on the roster, but he's struggling at the moment because he's getting the tackles late. He's not jumping routes. He's not doing some of the things that they were expecting. We move on to the final preseason game against the um, Indianapolis Colts. We get to meet Presley's entire family. Chris Presley, the fullback. Uh, his mother's crying. Uh, his baby boy is saying, he looks at his grandma and he says, I ain't got to cry. <laughs> and look, it's pretty cute. It's nice you get to meet like, the whole family again. They'll come to the game. They're really excited. They get to see him in an NFL game. Even the whole commentator is saying there's not much in this game. It's not very entertaining. Brian mm. Letter, the running back. <laughs> Trying to win his spot. He hurdles a strong safety. He looks pretty good. He runs in a touchdown. He gets a stuffing knocked out of him as he did, though. He plays just the first half. Yep. Because they're moving on to Didi 
uh, in the second half. They highlight Tom Nelson, who is screwing up a lot of his playbook stuff, missing some tackles. He drops a punt return, which is a humongous no-no, as we've learned from previous seasons. You drop, a, you drop a punt return, you ain't making the team, unless you're Jared Hayne, but we won't go there. <laughs> uh, then we'll move on to uh, Lynch. Yeah, makes a sack and then takes a pick from a tip. Uh, and however, if you noticed, that route that he got that tipped pick, he got burnt on that route. Yep. So if it wasn't for the fact that the safety came over over the top, that man was going to the house because he got absolutely burnt. But in the end, it looked good for him because he, he caught a sack. He caught a pick, sorry. Marvin then, you see him talking to the coaches at the top of the box saying, can we have three runs in a row? I want to watch the fullbacks block and I want to watch the tight ends block which is great. You actually get to see him sculpting the plays to watch what he wants. Chris Presley gets his chance and hits like a hammer. Yep. He, I can't see this bloke doing any better than he's doing. I can't see the, the chubby bloke doing better. Jeremiah yep. Johnson. I can't see him doing better than Chris Presley at this point. He looks no. really good. Yeah, he looked but, great. Look, they focus on the O-line a bit towards the end of the game. Surely looking um, green, but very physical. And Gus, my note is, and Gus looks shit. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, if they keep Gus, I'm just going to be so pissed off. Yep. I could play Platinus like I couldn't. But he doesn't look great. Uh, Didi Dorsey then has a highlight for the second half and he's making a few good runs. But the biggest thing is that he goes and he blocks a punt and runs it back for a touchdown. Yep. Massive. Massive. Love yeah. that. Like, blocking a punt is one of the hardest things to do in football. He blocked it, picked it up, and scored. Yep. That's yeah, great. which is amazing. So that I think for me, at this point, that seals his position in the team because of obviously the extra stuff that he does. They uh, The Bengals win 38-7. to seven. So it gives them at the end of preseason a two-for-two two record, which isn't too bad. They bring into final cut day. They have the final player evaluation meetings with the coaches. They have a lot of talks about the veterans versus rookie upside. So do we uh, basically what's our window are we going are we looking to win because then we need the veteran yep is it worthwhile putting time and effort into this player have we got the years to wait and they talk a lot about those things but you don't know who they're talking about you think ah oh, they're talking about that guy and then they're not so you've got no idea so very ominous Jim Lippicott so once again the whole apersonal aspect of the club he calls the blokes to cut them yeah, he just calls them and says, sorry, we're waving you. Bye. Whereas Marvin Lewis makes the calls if they make the team or the practice squad. So if you get a call from Jim, you cut. You get a call from Marvin, at least you know you've got a job. Yep. Yeah, so one other thing, the side note, Jim Lippicott, I'm worried about him. Why is that? Because he's choking himself with his pants. <laughs> they were pretty high. His pants were basically <laughs> three or four inches above his navel and tied really tight. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So, I, so once it, that's my fashion uh, point for the, for the look, episode. Do you think he looked like a pumpkin? <laughs> he definitely, <laughs> he definitely looked like a pumpkin. <laughs> he definitely did. Um, so, sorry, I get distracted with fashion. We know, we know, <laughs> DJ. Now, for me, this is probably the the not the best part, but it's the hardest part. It's the cuts. So, this is where they get brutal. You get to meet all the players sitting on their bed waiting for the call. Number one. Gus Parrish gets cut to waivers. Not surprising. Not surprising. See you later, Gus. Sorry, buddy. You're just not uh, NFL quality, in my opinion. 
And obviously the coaches agreed with me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Lynch, our backup safety, who obviously he did a few good things in the last game. He got called by Marvin, and yep. he got signed to the practice squad if waivers clear. Yeah, so that if waivers clear thing, what that means is that after you're waived, you get a 24-hour period where other teams can pick you up. Yep. If you don't, then the team that you're currently with, if they offer you the practice squad, you sign onto their practice squad. So Corey Lance got the offer of the practice squad. Uh, Tom Nelson, he was so nervous. He was sitting there. He looked like he's ready to burst. He got called by Marvin as well. And he got picked for the 53-man roster. And he's stoked. So this is the free agent rookie, which is awesome for him. Now, Dee Dorsey was the next on the list. Dee is sitting there, you know, just laughing and having fun, trying to, like, obviously de-stress. Now, Marvin Lewis calls the wrong number three times. He calls the same woman <laughs> three times. And the third one, is she's like, hell, you stop calling me, damn. <laughs> Marvin's like, I don't know why I just called the same number three times expecting a different result. <laughs> so yeah. he goes and actually calls DD. Now, DD was also picked for the 53-man roster, so he makes it. I thought this next part was hard. They kept Fooey and Chris Presley in the lurch for ages. And they said, like, we're hoping to keep them. We're going to tell them last so then no one else will notice them. Yep. So they're hoping that they'll, which sounds like at least one of them has been put on the practice squad. Yep. And which means they don't want other teams to pick them off waivers, which is brutal. They're all waiting for a phone call. And you can see Chris Presley's stressed as, Fooey is stressed as. They call each other. Yep. Hey, man, how are you going? Have you heard yet? And they're like, no, no, no. They're like, you know, know what happens? We're mates and support each other and blah, blah, blah. Chris Presley gets the call first by Marvin and he's made it to the practice squad. He's pretty sad. Yeah. He sits there next to his wife and he's like, I'm happy I've got a job. Yeah, I'm happy that I've still been picked for a job. Yeah, and practice squad's not chump change. They make no, $200,000 or something like that. Yeah, so, so I imagine he was hoping to be an NFL-style footback. Obviously. But. but it's better than where he's come from. Like, he hasn't got a job. Well, I mean, it's better than nothing. It's a stepping stone still. Obviously, you're going to be disappointed. You put your your heart out and you want to make the 53. But I can understand where he's coming from. You never know. Maybe the Bengals are strapped for cash yep. and they didn't have many face masks. Yep. And they were worried that they're going to go through face masks like mad. No, that's a fair point. Yeah, like that's, that's probably what it was. But if they need, like, walls knocked over or <laughs> anything like that, they know who to call. Someone in a watermelon smashing <laughs> contest with yeah. their head. Yeah. Like, God, I would have picked him. He was, I really liked watching him. Now, Fui still was being left in the lurch for a while after this. And it looked like it was the hardest decision for them to make. Fui was their draft pick, their six, their seventh round draft pick at 215. They spoke about him a lot during the year. And so Marvin Lewis actually walked to wherever he was on the resort and told him his result personally. Yep. So Fui was waived. Yeah, not put to the practice squad. He was waived. And if the, no one picks him up, then he's a free agent. Yep. Which he's obviously sad about. Marvin seemed pretty devastated about it. But, the, you know, it's a business. These things happen. We're coming to the end of the hard knock season. Mike Brown talks about his hopes for the year that this team will be a playoff team because we have the skills to get there. And the as, as like every hard knocks, the season ends with a bunch of people making motivational comments about the year to come. Yep. With the theme in the background. Always. Yeah? Always. Always. And and that's how it ends. Yep. The 2009 Cincinnati Bengals. 
How did they go, Dan? Go. Shall we? Do they make the playoffs? Let me uh, scroll to the top. I already know off the top of my head, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so preseason record, 2-2. Two and two. It's Respectable preseason. It's practice. doesn't really matter. Regular season, they go 10-6. and six. Huge improvement on 4-11 and uh, 1. Um, postseason, they lose the AFC wild card to the Jets. Uh, they lose that 24-14. to 14. Uh, This is the year that the Saints won the Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl 44, uh, 31 to 17 over the Colts. So, you know, if anyone wants a a year reference of who wins. So, all in all, obviously you'd be upset that you lose the wild card game, but at the same time, compared to what you did the year before, that's a huge improvement. They got to the playoffs. They got to the playoffs. Like, they weren't talking about championships so much. They're talking about improving from last year, and I think that's healthy. Yes, yes. I think people talking about the the you know the Space Mountain yep. is unhealthy. Yep. Talking about improving from last year is probably where I think is the best option. And they talked about making the playoffs, and they did. Yep. You know, good on definitely. Them. Yeah, it was real good. So uh, that's the 2009 Bengals. Next week we'll go through some of the storylines. We probably won't go through everyone because, as we said, this one seemed to have a lot more players that you just kind of touch on. But there's a couple people we want to talk about, and. Um, That's about it. Anything to say, DJ? Get hard, stay hard, my friends.